0: Good day, and welcome to Minnesota CropCast from the University of Minnesota. I'm your host, Dave Nicolai, University of Minnesota Extension Educator in Field Crops. My co-host with me today is uh, Dr. Seth Nave, Extension Soybean Specialist at the University of Minnesota. And our special guest uh, from Minnesota Soybean is Tom Sloninka, and uh, Tom is with us via an audio connection on a Zoom uh, call uh, today, and we're going to visit with Tom a little bit about Minnesota soybean and also about his background and information. And before we get started and talking about all about the weather here, we had this last week, and we're going into those situations with that, um, we've got a couple of events that are coming up, including um, Minnesota Ag Expo. But I think, first of all, Tom, let's talk a little bit about your background in terms of... Uh, where you grew up uh went to school uh education that type of thing and then how you got interested in agriculture and how you ended up uh, in minnesota and mankato in the p- position you have presently
1: yeah well uh, it's, it's great to be here with you guys today and um i, I always love talking about agriculture and uh, every once in a while i like talking about myself so uh this works out pretty well um so for myself i'm um The story maybe is not so diverse. Uh, I'm a farm kid from South Dakota originally. Grew up on a large cattle ranch there in central South Dakota. And and I guess I'm fourth generation owner of that ranch today. So I get back uh, there as often as I can. We raise uh, soybeans and some corn and some wheat and some sunflowers. And so every year I get to spend a little time on the planting tractor and spend a little time in the combine. Um, I don't get to ride a horse anymore like I used to. But uh, certainly uh, riding a lot of four-wheeler, bringing in, bringing in a fairly large herd off of our, off of our uh, pastures out there in central South Dakota. So um, agriculture is who I am. It's what I've always done. But I certainly have had an opportunity to do uh, many different things within agriculture, things that uh, I never really thought of as a, as a student coming from SDSU. So I got a degree from SCSU in agronomy and marketing communications, which uh, at the time, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do with that. As a farm kid, I knew there was a lot of things to do in agriculture, but my career has proven that you you can do uh, just an amazing amount of things and stay in the field of agriculture and not actually uh, farm yourself. Um, I was able to uh, take, take those studies and uh, start doing some agronomy-type work with a company called American Cyanamid. Um, you remember back in the day they were the guys that had the Pursuit and Scepter and a lot of really, really products. Um, I was able to uh, work my way through the sales side of that into the corporate office into New Jersey. Um, so my wife and I moved uh, from um, basically central South Dakota right into Manhattan. Um, and you want to talk about a culture shock, um, being, uh, being a farm kid from South Dakota and then, uh, working every day in downtown New York is, uh, pretty dramatic. And, um, uh, but it was, it was a great experience. And, uh, the, the people around me and, uh, learning, learning how parts of the country, uh, react to things and getting to know my neighbors there, it was really a wonderful experience. And, Every day I, w- I was working with people in agriculture, but then every evening I was surrounded by people that had no idea what agriculture was about. And um, I think it's, it's uh, been able to help me in my career all along having those experiences. Um, from there, I went to uh, work for the National Corn Growers Association, and uh, I helped them with some major pro- projects, uh, some of which are still in place today, like uh, Know Before You Grow. And nowhere to go. Those those seed tags are are still out there, and those are some projects that I developed. That was back in the time when uh, biotech and biotech acceptance was uh, basically everything we worked on every day. And uh, I learned there just the power of association, how important they are to organ uh, to agriculture and really businesses as a whole. Um, Because there's a lot of things that we as producers don't think about. And in order for our products to get sold um, nationally, internationally, um, there's a lot of regulations and there's a lot of people that have to be convinced that uh, agriculture knows what it's doing. And um, I was able to help national corn growers and their leadership uh, move through that and um, the successes we're having today in biotech. Uh, are largely because of the work that was done at that point. So now. then
2: you 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 must so from yeah there, you must have uh, you must have moved to Minnesota soybean right away then right is that is that the next step?
1: No, actually I took one more wow. step in between. So uh, actually a couple. <laughs> so after working with the National Corn Growers Association, I was able to uh, get the call from the ethanol industry to start a new uh, not for profit. It was called Epic at the time. It's now Uh, called Growth Energy. And one of the main things that we did was able to work on the promotion of ethanol um, uh, across the United States and really across the globe. And one of the main things we did with that was to get the race car industry to use ethanol. Um, But we also did some great things with global warming initiatives. We worked with Will Steger, uh, an important Minnesota native and uh, his, his work uh, in exploration of the North Pole uh, was, was a very unique way of promoting agriculture um, in a different way. So I've had the opportunities to do those sorts of things. I, I've, I've uh, worked with the uh, animal health industry, with Fibro Animal Health, and uh, also worked on a cellulose ethanol project. And so my career has led me in and out of associations and for-profits, And that's an important distinction um, in that as I run not-for-profits, I really apply what I've learned in business um, as much as possible. And associations are really, really important for agriculture, as I've stated before, but they need to run as fast as industry and they need to run as smart as industry Um, because agriculture isn't getting any easier. The things that challenge us uh, both politically and technically, uh, just are not getting any easier. And the amount of people that don't understand the importance of agriculture or that we're doing everything that we can to be environmentally friendly, um, is always a challenge to make sure that they understand it in a way that that um, works works in their lives. So um, my work experience has led me to a lot of the initiatives. That we're doing here now at minnesota research and promotion council
0: tom uh do you want to talk a little bit about um ag expo and in your current role here in minnesota soybean maybe a little bit of background of what what actually happens there and more importantly why do we have it occur every year at this time
1: yeah so one of those fun initiatives that we do here at Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council is we support Ag Expo and Ag Expo has been going on for a lot of years and a lot of people say, well, that's that's a trade show, but it's much, much more than that. And I think this year, more than any other Expo, um, if you're able to attend, you are going to hear and see a lot of things that are going to help you in your business. Um, We've got uh, great speakers like PJ Fleck from the U of M is going to be here. He's going to give some motivational words about uh, how to manage your your team, your team back home on the farm. And uh, we've got speakers that are going to talk about uh, uh, new developments uh, in agriculture from a technology standpoint. We've got speakers that are going to talk about mental health because Farming is hard. It's it's a mental draw and as as you transition from generation to generation there's just a lot to consider. So at the expo there's there's going to be fun things, there's going to be some educational things. But one of the really important things and it leads back to my prior comments is your the ability for Minnesota farmers to come together to talk about policy that affects them on both a state and a national level. And so at Ag Expo, both Minnesota Corn and Minnesota Soybean, bring together their county representatives and they talk about the policies and they set policies that they want to have done um, at their national groups, like uh, the American Soybean Association uh, and the National Corn Growers Association, as well as what they want done here in the state. And uh, with uh, our legislative session, you know, just around the corner, uh, farmers need to be organized. We need to be very directive as to what we need. And being able to come together at a meeting like Ag Expo is the perfect way to get everybody on the same page and to be as clear in those messages as possible to the politicians that ultimately pass laws that affect what we do. You know, do. I
2: know um, you're not as work as closely with the membership side as as the checkoff side, but um, for those listeners that maybe aren't insiders in, in the, the corn and soybean um, communities, uh, what, what are some of the really, or maybe what's the breadth of, of resolutions that you might expect at a, at a meeting like this? What, uh, what, are the, what is uh, MSGA going to be, uh, what are some of their top priorities and, and what's some of the other, the, the whole breadth of things that they're going to be uh, discussing?
1: Well, there's a lot of important issues uh, that affect us here on the farm. Of course, uh, biodiesel, um, Minnesota being a leader in renewable fuels for both ethanol and biodiesel, we've led the nation in many, many ways. We gotta make sure that our politicians understand how important those fuels are to our bottom line. Um, So some of the things that we'll be discussing is uh, the clean car initiatives by, by the governor, uh, we'll be discussing issues uh, about uh, uh, renewable diesel and and sustainable aviation fuel and what those policies might be and how they're going to affect our bottom line. We're going to be discussing issues like right to repair. Um, uh, we, we have great uh, equipment dealers across the state, but every now and again, as the machinery gets a little bit older, we want to be able to fix that on our own. And what policies are we gonna put in place that will allow us to do that? Um, Environmental issues like tiling and um, uh, drainage from animal units are are other things that are gonna be discussed. uh, Because as crop producers, we need a strong animal agriculture sector. And while we may not all have uh, animals on our farms today, uh, we all know somebody who does. And uh, that's where our grain goes. And we need to have that. And then, of course, lastly is anything to do with international trade, um, whether it be Mexico or the rail system out to the west coast, or one that we're working hard to, to redevelop, which is shipping grain through the port of Duluth over to Europe. It's a, it's a, it's really a new market for the U.S. And it's something that the U.S. government is really getting behind, is to diversify. Who we're selling our crops to, um, we have been reliant on China uh, in a big way for a long, long time. And now there's a movement to see uh, what other markets we can develop so that we're less dependent on the Chinese uh, consumer for buying. Yeah, those markets. are.
2: I mean, that you you uh, touched on just the you you captured exactly what I was hoping you would the the real breadth of it. I I, I want to go back circle circle back to one that I think that's that's close to my heart is. We had Gordon Denny on a few weeks ago, and we talked with him about uh, renewable uh, fuels uh, standards and uh, increased demand for oil. And, uh, and And I think this idea that Minnesota soybean farmers are very supportive of animal agriculture in Minnesota is really an important point. And I think that some people might miss that is that you know it, the soybean organizations are not they they represent farmers um, not just soybeans, and they want to. Of course, they're, they're working to help soybean farmers, but um, through that, they're, they're helping all farmers. And, and one way that really helps those farmers is to support the animal uh, agricultural industry in Minnesota. We need to find a way to use more of our soybean meal here. So uh, I applaud the growers for helping out with that.
1: It's it's vital. Um, oil is important, but uh, you know we can't afford to raise soybeans and just sell oil. We need to sell meal. Uh, in the past, we've sold whole beans largely out of Minnesota, um, uh, especially the northern half of the state, has largely just shipped whole beans out of the state. But now, with renewable diesel, we've got more and more crush plants coming on board. In fact, we are instrumental in starting one of those ourselves. Um, and, uh, uh, that animal agriculture is needed for that, for that meal. And why not value add here on the farm? Why not have those jobs here? Let's export meat. Let's not export soybeans.
2: Sounds good. So the, uh, Ag Expo, Minnesota Ag Expo is on January 17th and 18th, right? Wednesday, Thursday of this week. Uh, and that's at the, uh, convention center downtown Mankato, but it's, uh, tell me the name of it. I've forgotten it's the mail the Mayo. Mayo. auditorium,
0: uh, Mayo. auditorium Convention Mayo. center
2: there so and and Convention tom do you know if, if folks can register when they get there can they just walk in
1: yeah just uh, come on in and register um you'll want to get there early i think we're going to be sold out this year i know that uh, the trade show floor is completely sold out we've got great sponsors from all kinds of companies um that are going to be there and uh it's just really going to be a great time so um registration opens at 7 30 on wednesday um and sessions run uh through the evening with the msga after hours social events at the loose moose so um if you just want to kick back and uh communicate with uh, uh, your neighbors and uh just have a little bit of fun that event starts at, at 7 p.m the next day kicks off again uh, with the Minnesota Corn Growers Association's pack breakfast at 7 a.m. And so shout out to them. That's also a great event. Um, but uh, come on in, see the sessions, um, uh, participate in the trade show and uh, learn some new things for you. That's farm great. We
2: um, I know that there's some. Minnesota farmers that feel left out with the Iowa caucuses and they don't get to see their, uh, they don't get their political action quite as much as they do down south of the border here. So I know there's some politicians will probably show up that folks can talk to as well. And not only that, but a bunch of researchers from the University of Minnesota will be there and, uh, with some uh, posters and chatting about their research, both the corn uh, corn checkoff folks and soybean uh, researchers will be there uh, both days, so uh, there's there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on around there at the expo. So we did want to chat with you a little bit about the Ag Innovation Campus, Tom. This is uh, this may be more new and novel to some of our listeners even than the Ag Expo. So you might want to bring us up to speed a little bit on the ag innovation or AIC and and tell us where this, the idea came from and what it is and where are you at and, uh, and uh, what, uh, where are we seeing any processing going on there? Is that how quick are we going to see that happen?
1: Yes. The ag innovation campus is just an amazing story and it, it really goes to show Uh, the innovative spirit of the leadership uh, that we have on our boards here in Minnesota. Um, No other state in the nation has ever uh, attempted to do a project like this. In fact, there is no other facility being built like this anywhere in the world. Um, And it's happening in a large part because of the research um, that has been done at at the University of Minnesota. The, The breeding program there has Uh, shown us that our soybeans can do more than just create meal and oils. Um, You know, we can we can do uh, biopolymers and we can do uh, feed that has higher value to animals and we can produce soybeans that have a higher oil content in order for today's market. So it's it's really an accumulation of the last 20 years of research with the University of Minnesota that led to this initiative. Um, we were working through um, how we were going to bring some of these products to market about seven years ago. And what we found is that the biggest hurdle in the way of creating something new, and that could be a new technology or a new type of soybean or even a different kind of oil seed, So say all of the cover crops that people are working on, the biggest hindrance of getting that to market is to Prove it at scale. And what I mean by that is um, you have to create a large enough volume that you can do full-scale feeding trials, let's say if it's a new type of soybeans, or you have to prove it at a large enough scale in order for a food manufacturer to want to take that product on. They have to know that it's going to be there consistently and that it meets specs and that it's something that they can trust before they move their entire systems over to something new so this facility is being designed to prove things at scale so we're going to be taking on projects that have already been proven um, at laboratory scale maybe even already proven at demonstration scale and we're going to be able to move them in at a large enough quantity that uh, uh, people can then larger companies can take take our final products and say hey that will work and when it works at the AIC, then it's gonna work for all of the other crush facilities across the nation. I think the, the best example of this story is when we were working on high oleic soybeans um, about eight years ago. And we said, hey, this is a really good technology. It was something, it was came out of the breeding program at the U of M. This is a healthier oil for consumers. Um, so we went to another Minnesota a very important company, Schwanz. And we got a meeting with Schwanz and we brought in our oil profile and they said, wow, that really looks great. Now bring us 3000 gallons so we can do one test run on pizza rolls. Now I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that meeting. It was just shocking to me to think that, okay, just for them to consider something, they need 3000 gallons just to run one test. So the volume of these things are great, but how do you take um, a, a, just a handful of soybeans off the benchtop and create a program that has enough volume to just test for 3000 gallons? It's, it's expensive, it's complicated, it takes time. And at the time there were only two facilities available to do that. One was at Texas A&M and the other one was in Canada at POS. And, um, It took us a year and a half to just to work through that system and we said okay if we want to continue to develop new types of oil seeds new types of processing technology we need a facility that is standing there ready willing to work with us and that was the impetus behind building the ag innovation campus um it's uh it's complicated uh, in order to get these things forward and we weren't sure what kind of traction we were gonna get when we promoted the idea. But the industry uh, itself, the crush industry said, yes, we absolutely need a facility of that size. The state legislature said, why, that's a fantastic idea. And they went to work and they, they helped us to get the original uh, funding that helped kick the project off. And that happened because of the Growers Association and their political strength to make it happen. So, just a whole lot of pieces came in alignment for this facility to uh, break ground and and to now have phase one. So, tell us
2: what what is AIC. So, physically, what what uh, what what is it? What have you what have you built there in Crookston, Minnesota?
1: So, right now we've just completed phase one, and phase one is a two hundred and forty ton a day uh, mechanical crush plant. So that's roughly nine semi loads a day. Um, The meal uh, that's gonna come off that process will be sold to the local um, animal industry and there's more and more of it every day uh, in Northern Minnesota. Um, The oil will go for uh, biodiesel uh, and the hulls will also go back into the livestock market. Now that plant is starting up this week um we ran some test runs last week everything is looking good and it takes about a month or so to run through startup so by mid-february that plan will be running uh 24 7 uh crushing those truckloads. and um so that's phase one phase two uh will be an office complex that'll have laboratories Uh, it'll have meeting spaces for collaboration uh some community space in there as well um, and uh, it's potentially the future home for the Ag Utilization um, AURI. So um, that group has been around for a long time. Uh, they have offices in Crookston now and they'll, they'll now relocate them over to our office complex at the Ag Innovation Campus. The next building that will be built is uh, a facility that will have rentable bays for new types of technology. That need a slipstream off of the crush plant to prove at scale. As I said before, proving at scale is is really complicated. Having a home that you can afford to go to um, is what will be in phase three. So technologies like Plasma Blue, which advances uh, the oil that comes off of, of a crush plant, uh, you can you can convert that oil into all different kinds of products with Plasma Blue um we've got a technology that uses uh, soybean hulls and turns them into plastics we've got a company that wants to bring in technology that uses microwaves to dry oil seeds because drying oil seeds can be problematic they're prone to start on fire when you use natural gas so if we can use electricity and microwaves to dry that grain maybe it's safer for the farm safer for the elevators more efficient. So there are uh, really quite a few different technologies that are going to be vying for spots in those um, bays, and all of it designed to get products to consumers and to the farm gate faster, sooner, and cheaper through the ag innovation. One of the
2: things that, um, you know, occurs to me is that uh, a lot of our challenges we've had in the past few years with trade and other things, shipping. I think we've been a victim of our own efficiency. We built so many efficient, uh, built inefficiencies into our business model so tightly that the way we do our business is efficient and we can move things around, but it doesn't allow for any new innovation because it doesn't fit into the existing system well. And in some ways you've kind of unwound this whole thing and you've created an inefficiency. And in other words, you've, 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 Gone backwards, and you've you've started a system where you're looking at small scale uh, that includes more costs, but it 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 a it a it, it allows you to do a lot more things. And so I think I think it's really important for the public sector to get involved with projects like this because it's these are things that would never occur in the in the private space. So um, or a public private um, partnership, as I think you're building, especially with these these incubators. So I. I applaud you. I think it's it sounds like a tremendous project. I am um, glad that we're we're uh, starting to crush some soybeans. That sounds that's great news for me.
1: Yeah, you you really did a great job of explaining that. Seth. that's that's exactly what we've done. And and private industry would not have done this because the profit margin on what we're doing here uh, is not as grand as a large crush plant. In fact, the entire entity has been built as a not for profit. Um, The profit made at the crush plant will be shared with uh, in the form of grants to all types of technologies that are going to come through. Um, It is there for the future. It's not there for money making today. It is there for the future. And we've got some tremendous sponsors that have come into this program, not just the Minnesota Research and Promotion Council and the state legislature, but private industries like Crown Iron and Farmers Union Enterprises, Perkin Elmer, and the list goes on and on. This is uh, really a perfect example of public-private investment uh, looking towards the future, and uh, everything from educating tomorrow's plant operators to uh, breaking the mold of of what we think an oil seed can do um, is what we hope comes from this project.
0: You know, <clears throat> Tom. You know, one of the things that people ask about is why Crookston. There's some strategic um, thought behind this, isn't there, in terms of the location for this uh, facility in the in the Crookston area, and given the fact of where soybeans have been grown in Minnesota and where they are continuing to move and being grown in other areas, you want to talk just a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, Crookston was a little bit unique and and certainly uh, off the beaten path, but um, there are some real advantages there um diversification in in farming practices is is still uh a a common practice there so farmers will grow sunflowers wheat canola corn soy so there's a little more diversity there uh and that's good as we bring in uh new types of soybeans in fact our first uh research trials are going to happen towards the end of end of february on crops that were that have uh a different oil profile, and so we're actually going to start research even before phase two and three are done. But the the uh, the ability to get onto farms and have some diversity in their cropping rotations was important. Um, the other thing is that sector of the United States is the number one food growing soybean region in the United States. And so there's a there's a lot of uh, s- uh, smaller on-farm storage that allows for segregation. That's very, very important. Um, and having uh, crops that work in the north is probably the most complicated. So if we're able to accomplish um, rotation of, let's say cover crops or new types of soybeans, short day soybeans, uh, and do that cost effectively, it's gonna benefit Benefit the farmers in southern Minnesota um, equally because as we breed uh, soybeans for that shorter day, we we can easily breed them for longer day. So it, it's it again, it is a bit uh, reverse psychology, as Seth stated. Um, we put some inefficiencies in the system in order to allow for. Uh, more development. Well, you're
2: certainly carving out a niche. And I think that's, that's an important space in this. And that's probably what some of this that you've learned through your uh, business career as well, is that there's no reason to, to charge into a crowded space on these projects. And, and so I think, I think that's, that's probably somewhere, somewhere in the back of your head as, as you were developing some of these plans.
0: I think we're, uh, I think we're, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's 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 a
1: lot like the example of how to get the most volume into a jar and you've got large rocks and sand and water. Well, you, you start with the large rocks and the large rocks are ADM, Cargill, uh, buggy, these large players, but in between them, there is a lot of opportunity and a lot of space for development. And so we're, we're positioning ourselves in between them. Um, because there, there is, something that they'll look to and something that everybody else can fit in very very nicely. That's great. So
2: I, I think you have a website up there. I know it's Ag Innovation Campus. I don't know the, uh, the specific uh, URL, but it's. I'm. everybody can Google now. So I think anybody could find that and, and see some nice photos and uh, updates on where you're at. And, and I think it'd be interesting for people to follow up a little bit with that journey
0: exactly that's what yeah, i we, was hoping you were going to say is where where can people go to more defined and, and and stay in tune as things progress here tom i guess that's the point
1: yeah just just google ag innovation crookston and, it, and and it'll come up and um yeah there's there it's on a couple different platforms you'll be able to see what's going on there um, this facility is uh, also one of a kind in the fact that it has a very open platform and as uh we will allow visitors to come in to the heart of the plant which is something that you just can't do at the larger facilities there's reasons of proprietary information insurance information insurance reasons uh, uh, work product flow issues that they don't let consumers come in or groups come in and and take a tour of the plant ours is being designed so that those tours can happen really about at any time. And that makes it very unique and an important function for our international trade that often comes through Minnesota in the summertime. And uh, they're going to be able to see the quality of the products that our Minnesota farmers uh, raise right there in real time. They'll be able to put their hands right there in the, with the meal and, and see the quality of products that-,
2: that Yeah, trade, trade teams will certainly love this. So, well, we've taken a lot of your time, Tom, and I know that you've got a lot of uh, uh, work to do to get everything put together. This is a huge meeting uh, in Mankato this week with the Ag Expo coming up. And I know uh, there's a lot of uh, you've got a lot of balls in the air getting all this thing going. So uh, we'd like to thank you for all your time today. Uh, really appreciate it, and, and uh, thanks for your patience with our technology here and thanks for hanging on with us to the end, and, and we really appreciate spending uh, nearly an hour with Dave and I today.
1: Well, it's it's important what you're doing with this broadcast and you, the work that you two do day in and day out for uh, today's farmers and tomorrow's farmers. I, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, for that work, and keep bringing us new technologies, and I'll keep finding ways to. Get that more
2: sounds time. like a great partnership, Tom. Thank you, thank you very much for your time, and I think we'll cut it off. Dave traditionally ends this, so I'll turn it over to him.
0: Well, we just wanted to say again, uh, thanks, uh, Tom, for joining us. Uh, we appreciate that. Hopefully, folks can take an opportunity to visit with you uh, this next week or other times um, if they're in the Mankato area. I'm sure that you can update them as well. So, again, this has been uh, Minnesota CropCast uh, from the University of Minnesota. Uh, I'm your host, Dave Nicolai, with University of Minnesota Extension Educator in Field Crops, along with my co-host, Dr. Seth Nave, University of Minnesota Extension Specialist in Soybeans. And thank you, and we'll see you next time.